0: What's up and welcome back to the 48 Men Podcast. Today is a very special episode because it's a very special guest and I'm so excited to welcome Adam LaRoche to the podcast.
1: Christian, thanks for having me, man. This is, uh, this is cool to get a text from you guys to, to be able to come do this. So,
0: Well, I really am. This honestly is one of my favorite episodes that I'm looking forward to because you really do so much. And if you don't know who Adam is, he's a husband, father, ex-pro baseball player, buck man for buck commander. And you and your wife do so much to help end human trafficking, and you really do. I mean, you're really all across the board. So I'm I'm so excited for our conversation today.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, same here. Let's uh, let's dive in because I want to hear some more about what you're doing too. What real quick? What is the four uh, eight? Where the four eight men come from?
0: Yeah, so it's First Timothy four so eight. That's where Paul tells Timothy that physical training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. So it's this idea of like you know, physical training and in, in health and wellness, it's of some value, but it's not as much of a value as our godliness. So when you look at it, there's like, you know, you can train your body physically, but there's also something that has to go into training your body for godliness, which is, you know, through spiritual training. So whether that's prayer, uh, you know, reading your Bible, um, worship music, there's all these things that we can do to cultivate intimacy with the Lord. And I just view, you know, but I also view the two go hand in hand because I know for myself, if I'm physically healthy, if I'm training and I'm, you know, being disciplined in in one area, a a lot of times it complements the other one. So I wanted to do something that kind of encourages people to, you know, train their bodies and and, and work out and be physical, but challenge them to to, um, or encourage them to do that, but then challenge them to 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 train themselves spiritually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah. So that's so that's where it comes from. Cool, but uh, so you played professional baseball for uh, as a first baseman for twelve seasons um, for seven different teams, and I just want to ask, what was that journey like for you
1: uh well I, I think it depends on which way I look at it. i mean the, the physical side, professional side um, I, I guess worldly side was was awesome and I was one of the really lucky ones too, so I came up with Atlanta. And uh, Julio Franco was the first baseman there. Well, he was about a hundred years old uh, to begin with wh- when I came in. So it, it it literally worked out perfect my rookie year there, having having Julio one as a mentor, but also as a guy that couldn't play every day. So I got you know a lot of at bats that year. And and I say that because I, I got to work through the minor leagues fairly quickly, and then never had to go back down um, throughout my career. That's awesome. which was so, I, so I was incredibly lucky, blessed and spoiled, um, to be able to get up and, and, and stay in the major leagues for yeah 12 years. So it was awesome, man. Um, I'm really glad it's done. And I get to move on and, and do some, some of the other things now that, that I think uh, I know looking back, you know, that, that platform in baseball that I may not have realized at the time, uh, just kind of set the stage for some of the work we get to do now through, through the foundation and the meat company, whatever that might be. Um, it's making more and more sense. So it was fun. I'm glad it's over.
0: Yeah. Well, was that, is that something that you were like just naturally gifted athleticism or was it something that you had to work super hard towards or,
1: um, no, I was, I was, I was naturally, that was just kind of our family was just bent towards baseball. So my dad played, my dad played, 13 years in the major leagues. He was a pitcher. Uh, and then both my brothers played professionally. Uh, my older brother played. He never made it to big leagues, but he played the minor leagues. And then my little brother played for quite a few years in the major leagues, too. So it was really just kind of our family. Thing. I mean, it's all we did. It's all we knew. And, and growing up doing that and growing up going to spring training um, every year with dad and going to whatever city he was coaching in at that time because he was older. It's interesting because I never looked at Major League Baseball players as like superheroes or or a, a level that I couldn't accomplish. Um, I always just kind of viewed it as, and maybe I was too dumb to know otherwise, but just kind of matter of fact, like this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. Um, so, yeah. so it was a it was a huge help growing up around that environment and having a dad that played and and really viewing it as something very realistic and not, you know, just a, a pipe dream.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you enjoy all the work that went into it? Or did you find it tedious or, cause I mean, I, I can imagine it's pretty taxing. I mean,
1: some of it, man, it's uh it's just a long season. I mean, we play, yeah. you know, 162 games during the regular season. And then depending on the post season and then spring training, you've got, you know, 25 or 30 games there um so there's not a ton of practice that's what's interesting about baseball is you don't there is no real practice days because it's a game every single day once the season starts so your practice is really kind of your warm-up and preparation for the game it's all kind of rolled into if you want to call that a a practice um but it's just game after game
0: yeah well I mean I played I played baseball in uh, high school. I did not make it to, uh, to your level. Um, but I do know that, you know, it's a very mental sport. And I know that, you know, you go through, um, you know, your highs and your lows, your slumps and all those things. And even just from the times that I've met you, you give off a very confident personality. And you know, if anybody just communicates with you, you're very confident. And in the game of baseball, um, or even just in life, you know, throughout those 12 seasons, was there ever a period where you were not as confident as you seem to be, you know, because we all go through, you know, slumps and all these different things. Did you ever have a period where you kind of combated that?
1: Man, I would say about half my career, I was not confident. I I think I just got really good at at looking confident, even when, uh, you know, on the inside, I wasn't there because I mean, really baseball, they're all, all sports are mentally challenging, especially at the highest level. Uh, baseball is one of those on, on the offensive side of the hitter where you're failing. You know, if you fail seven out of ten times, you've you're you're got a 300 average and, you know, potential Hall of Fame n- number. So, you know, you're constantly failing. And I, I played with so many guys in the minor leagues and even, you know, briefly in the big leagues that were way better than I was talent-wise. Um, it was just a real struggle for them when the lights came on in front of 40,000 people, um, to, to get out of their own way and and just go play. So, yeah. Oh, it, it will, it will mentally. Yeah. It'll chew you up and spit you out. And I'm glad because I would say I've been a believer my whole life. Um, i would say later, maybe midway through my big league career is when I, understood the difference in calling myself a Christian and actually following Jesus and and being different and taking that route. Um, One of the awesome benefits of that was I I just never took baseball that serious. Um, So it was, it it, it was, it made it easier for me. And I'm not just saying it was a God thing, but it made it easier for me to kind of shake off those slumps, bad games, bad stretches, bad seasons, and, and just understand that, try to always reset and understand that I'm getting to play a game right now and get way overpaid to do it so yeah. life life could be way worse than having yeah. a you know a rough stretch on the baseball field
0: yeah so if you didn't have that foundation do you think because I mean like you like you said at the beginning you know from the playing obviously baseball's a se- I mean it's a secular sport you know it's it's a you're're you're, you're, you're in the world so to speak so you feel like if you didn't have that foundation that it would have been easy to become just consumed with, you know, that being your whole identity in the sport?
1: No doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and I see, I saw that in a lot of guys. And really I see it now. I probably see it more now in guys that retire. And you go from a, you go from a current guy to a former guy overnight, right? You you lose the Jersey and you become uh, a guy that used to do this. And guys that, were in the game and that's all they had and their life was baseball um probably like any profession any sport uh we see it now with the military guys that we get to host out here at the ranch uh when they get out of that it it can be it can be really challenging uh divorce rate you know is through the roof suicide rate with our soldiers is through the roof and and a lot of it's because that was their world And, and then it and then overnight, you know, it's gone.
0: Yeah. Well, I also want to talk to you because not only were you super athletic, you know, playing baseball, but you're still super athletic now. Um, as I mentioned, you, you're, you're uh, on Buck Commander, so you hunt all the time. So you're, you know, if you go on an elk hunt, you're walking, you know, 50 miles. I know that Willie, I think he said he walked like 100 miles. or uh, I can't remember how far it was. It, it, was, it was a long way. It might, well, that might have been a, that been a huge stretch. Willie has not walked
1: 100 miles in his life. Don't don't let him kid you. Now he rode the full wheeler a hundred miles.
0: <laughs> I know that it was a long distance though. But two years ago, you were in town, and me and Sadie had just gotten engaged. We had played tennis. T- we had played doubles tennis together for a whole year of dating. We had never lost. And I remember you came in town, oh, and you man. and Willie challenged us to a tennis match. And you had a uh, you had a cast on on your wrist because you had a I guess a broke bone in your wrist. And you and Willie handed us our first loss. And I remember me and it, – it, we, had, we had a pretty serious argument after that because uh, we had become so used to winning that we hadn't lost yet. And we, um, we, we, we were pretty sore losers after that. So I say that to say even in your 40s, you're still super athletic. Um, and I just want to just commend you for that because, I mean, yeah, you, you, you humbled us and you gave us our uh, – our first loss, but even, even, even from hunting and, you know, and in, uh, you know, your kids still, you know, being active and, and playing sports and stuff, what kind of training do you do now?
1: Man, I, most of mine comes from like, whether it's stuff here on the ranch or going on a hunt or going to, you know, West Monroe and, and playing tennis. I just, I'm not, a am <laughs> not real good at sitting still. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I feel like. I feel like I don't have to force getting to the gym every day and, and know that that's going to be my only form of exercise. You know what I mean? And and, and I don't take that for granted because I know a lot of people that are working in an office, like they don't have that option, but I'm really fortunate now uh, between all the stuff we do out here at the ranch and the, the, the other traveling or events that we do and the work in human trafficking or stuff we do overseas. I, I just feel like it, uh, a lot of that can, can kind of naturally turn into a workout. So, yeah, I hope that never changes. Um, but I do remember that tennis match. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up, and I'm I'm glad we uh, got to humble you a little bit. But I'm sorry that we caused your your first major argument. But it's okay. But, I'm uh, pretty sure, I'm sure was d- good d- to get through it.
0: I don't want to throw Willie under the bus because he he is a very gifted player. But I'm pretty sure that you were. I would say the vast majority of the reason why why we lost and we still lost uh with you playing with one arm so um yeah so no offense to Willie but I'm pretty sure that you uh I think you kind of carried some of that match a little bit. Ah oh, that's funny.
1: Hey, we'll do it again. Ch- hey, challenge accepted. We'll do it accepted. again. We'll do it
0: again. We 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 we've gotten better in 2 years so maybe we can uh, make it happen again. But uh, I know this is kind of a a personal story, and even just, you know, this is kind of the last thing I want to ask you from a a sports standpoint. Um, You know, I know how important your family is, and even to the point where, you know, your last season you quit the White Sox because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't allow Drake in the clubhouse. Um, Mm -hmm. So just kind of, I want you to share that story because, you know, it's so, um, I don't know, I feel like it speaks a lot to your convictions and even just, your family and, you know, you'll go to war with them and you'll defend them. So, um, I think that's, that's just, that's just such an awesome
1: story. Yeah. Thanks Christian. And, and, um, I don't know how much time we have here, but I'll I'll back up a little bit cause really it started the, the off season before that. Um, I I got introduced to a, a former youth pastor, that took a trip to Thailand and ran into this sex trafficking issue. He he didn't go out there for any counter-trafficking work. He just ran into it when he was in Thailand and it just really messed him up. And and he came back and, and felt God speaking to him to leave Colorado, move to Thailand. That was four or five years, probably before we got to know him in 2014, I believe. And um, ended up spending some time with him, and he was like, listen, you just need to come over here and see it to to really understand kind of what he was talking about and, and some of the issues they were – and some of the challenges they were running into over there. So that off season, um Blaine Boyer and Grant Taylor, who you know, uh, right there in West Monroe, Blaine and I went to Thailand and spent a little bit of time and just saw some of the – Man, some of the darkest evil I've ever been around, uh, and and it felt like we were right in the center of it. And the the cool part was, is feeling God's presence and that light in, in the middle of that darkness to where it was confirmation to me that not only is this where God needs me and wants me right now, but man, I just, I felt like at that time that he may want me here permanently like he may want me to really dive into this issue so we flew home and that was an off season I was still playing then flew home and I just made it a point to fly around and meet with as many people that would let me in their office both government and non-government to learn more about this human trafficking problem and that's when I quickly learned that it's happening in the U.S. and it's actually happening in every county in the U.S. and it's just a growing problem So I went into that spring training in 16 already kind of wondering, am I supposed to be doing this? Like, like just praying on it, God, and make it really clear if I need to move on and and dive into this other thing that I'd just been introduced to. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't, I just didn't feel that or maybe I did and I'm just too hard headed to, to notice it when, when the spirit is speaking. But, um, Got to spring training and no animosity towards the White Sox. No, no literally no hard feelings. Um, as a matter of fact, looking back, it was it was a, a blessing, and I do it kind of as a, a favor from them that it worked out this way. But uh, they had a change of policy where kids could no longer. There was a certain age. It was like seventeen. I don't know what the age was, but Drake wasn't there yet. And and again, Drake over the last couple of years had kind of been a bat boy slash employee with the teams I had been on. And, um, and he just did, he was just a really good kid at the field and came back and they said, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And I said, yeah, it it was an easy decision. I said, well, I'm just gonna, I'm going to take it to the ranch then. So I packed up my stuff, had an awesome conversation with the team, just the players kind of explaining to them that uh, I, I love them, but, you know, I got I to gotta choose my family over them and and, and come home and, and start it up more of the foundation work and more of the work we get to do now. So, That's again, awesome. loved it, loved playing, but really glad it's over because now I yeah. get to see kind of a different side of life.
0: That's awesome. If you had to guess, what what percentage of people playing do you think would have done what you did?
1: Oh, I, I don't know, man. And, and honestly, I don't know that I would have done that if it would have been three or four years prior, when I was younger, yeah, um, still was, and, and I was passionate about baseball then. But again, after that Thailand trip and coming back and kind of getting in, introduced to some of this this counter trafficking problem, um, you know, it, it made it a lot easier at, at my age then. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, because I was, I was just thinking like. That is probably just so against the norm, especially, you know, in the realm of a prof- a, prof- a professional sport like that, you know, where you train your whole life and you, know, you finally you finally get there and you finally reach that. I'm sure that it's, I would guess, less than, I don't know, I would probably guess less than 1% of people that would choose family over the sport, honestly, when you when you finally get there. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just my guess.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man, I, and we could go down that road and in, in speaking on kind of, uh, I, I think a lot of us are scared of what's on the other side, you know what I mean? I, I think it's really hard to, to make a drastic move, even when you feel that tug or feel like you're led there, and, and we get very, very comfortable with our the security of where we live and what we're familiar with, and the paycheck coming in from work, it comes in twice a month, you know, whatever it is. And all those things, I think just, you know, can, can, can cloud and get in the way. A lot of times when God is saying, I need you here, you know, we can justify and, and, and excuse, make excuses for, yeah. for why that's not the right move. So yeah. that is not a pat on my back at all. Cause I have the majority of my life, I've ignored it. I'm just yeah. really glad that at at that moment that I, I it was crystal clear that it was time to to go do something else and and not be afraid of what that looked like.
0: Yeah. Well, you had mentioned earlier that you grew up a believer. You've been a believer your whole life. Was it was it the trip? Because earlier you had mentioned that it wasn't till later in your career where you really kind of shifted and, and kind of really grew in your faith was it the trip to taiwan or was it a period before that where something clicked or something shifted in your faith
1: no it, it was before that and i man, i don't have a specific like time or moment or some crazy miraculous you know come to jesus story uh i just think it was i think it was studying and learning what 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 i was taught when i was little was this is just the way that we do it, right? This is just the, whatever dom- denomination church you're in, your parents do it, your parents say to do it. So you just kind of fall in line. And, you know, it just took a while in my life to, to really dive in and look at why do I believe what I believe? And I, I, I was speaking a little more then, um, and I was hosting some chapels and leading some small groups. And I didn't like the idea of of speaking on something that I didn't fully believe, not even understand, because I still don't understand the majority of the Bible. I don't know that I ever will fully understand it, but I don't even know that I totally believed what, what, you know, what was coming out of my mouth and it was just uncomfortable. So I, Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of a reset over time to kind of just look back on the life of Jesus and, and why am I here? Yeah. Like, what is the mission? of this very short window we have on earth. And the conclusion was uh to love God and love others and 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 don't put any other gods don't have any other things ahead of him which is difficult. Yeah. Still is difficult.
0: Yeah. For sure. No, that's definitely I mean that's definitely super tough and even this the past week or two I've I've just been going through the New Testament and just reading the red letters which are just where you know, it's just Jesus. Jesus's words throughout the New Testament, and, and it's just really—I mean, it's—it's it's, like you said, it's very all-in. It's very—I um, mean—that he requires everything of you, and it's definitely—you know—you you definitely reach a point where, like, like you said, it's tough to like, you know, you want to teach these things that you fully believe and that you fully live out, and even just reading his words, it's even just convicting because it's like—I mean. I believe it, but like, to what extent, like, am I fully obedient to everything he teaches?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, I remember a, a chaplain and when I was playing in DC, Tim Pearson, still a good friend of mine, he had us in chapel one day and he did a pie chart, just a regular pie chart on like a, I don't know, on a board on the wall or something. And he carved out the different pies and, and it was like work, family, hobbies, Finances, uh, and then you know God or spiritual or however it was labeled. He's like, guys, what percentage of your day or your week or your year, like, what does your pie chart look like? And so we're all looking at it, thinking, all right, how do we make God like, you know, how, how can we finagle it and make God the the majority of that pie chart, like yeah. you know, fifty one percent. And so everybody fills out theirs and. You know, whatever, whatever the result is. And at the end of it, and the more we started thinking about it, it's exactly how a lot of us were living, which was we had our God time. Mm-hmm. I've got Sunday morning or if it's if getting the word every morning or you pray before your meal or you have, you know, maybe maybe some awesome revival or weekend retreat you get to go to. And the, the whole point there was that there, there shouldn't be. That he should be in every single one of those, like our hobbies, our work, our finances, like, and this is, it's pretty elementary, but it was interesting with a bunch of adults to see it on a pie chart and, yeah. and try and create our own and then kind of reset thinking, man, that doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, you know, trying to make that percentage bigger. And, it, and it's true. It should be in every part of our world if we truly Have surrendered everything. Yeah, Um, that was even that was even my next man because we we hang on to that. Sorry to interrupt, but you know we hang on like the finance piece. That's a hard one to say, man. This is like I've worked hard for this. I've earned this. Here, God, I'll give you a piece of it, but man, I got to hang on to this for for a rainy day. Yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think he's mad about it. I, I don't think it's one of those things that. You're going to get docked points or whatever in heaven. I just think it's going to be one of those. It's like, man, Adam, welcome home. You're in, you made it. But man, did you miss out on a lot of blessings because you just held on to that thing, you know, whatever it is and, you know, maybe even see back and see the things, you know, that we did miss out on and the opportunities because we were, we were hanging on to it.
0: For sure. Yeah, like you, you can't see the full potential of like what he had in store for you on the other side of obedience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was that—that that was even my next question. You know, of like you—you you had mentioned earlier, 162 games, which is uh, super busy. You're constantly traveling, and um, you know, what are like were there ways that you prioritized your faith? Um, you know, being so busy and traveling so much with a sport like baseball that's so demanding and time consuming Mm -hmm. or was it what was it like you said was it prayer before meals and trying to read in the mornings and church on Sundays and those things
1: that's a good question um I don't even know how to answer that I will tell you that my only regret looking back I wouldn't have trained harder I wouldn't have worked out more I wouldn't have signed with a different team or gone to a different city literally my only regret in baseball was not and I, and I did better my last few years, but the majority of my career, not investing as much in teammates. And I, and I still think I did a decent job with it, but, you know, the, the game and the commitment there to the team and this, yeah. you know, what we're passionate about, uh, a lot of times I know got in the way of, of hurting teammates or young rookies that came up that maybe I got to know decent but didn't like fully invest in those guys and almost make baseball secondary to loving and serving, you know, my teammates, which I'm around them for years. I mean, I'm around those guys as much or more than I was my own family. So yeah, I don't know what made me think of that, but I, I think if I could redo anything, it would be focusing more on that. So now moving forward, I want to, I want to learn from that and, and make that more of a point and a focus now, um, to, again, try to push away some of the selfish things and, and, and spend time with guys.
0: Yeah. What are, what are things and practices that you try to put into place now to, um, grow in your faith?
1: <clears throat> mm. Uh, one of the things I'm doing is that, that has been really cool. And again, I, I stole it from another chaplain. Years ago, but it's uh it's going through the Bible in a year, and for me, because I've got kids, I've got two older kids now. But with intentionally thinking about one of my kids, de- you know, depending on the book, going through it, and it's laid out. So Bible in a year, so you've got three hundred. So you, you've, you've seen those,
0: yeah, and
1: every day writing something to Drake or writing something to Montana. So at the end of it, you've got this book with basically 365 of, of their dad's thoughts. And it won't necessarily be, I'm not breaking down the scripture I read that day. It, just whatever is on my heart, that mistakes I've made, things that I'm proud of that I think I did well, things that I've learned from them, whatever, just kind of intentionally directing it at one of my kids. And it was neat because recently I got to challenge my dad who's getting older to go through the Bible in a year and do the same thing for us boys. Yeah. Um, and, and cause I, I can't think of anything cooler when my dad leaves than to have, you know, something to specifically address to me on just his thoughts as he's going through the word. Um, and, and even when he's dead and gone or when I'm dead and gone, you know, for my kids to be able to look back on that. So yeah, that's one thing that's been a, a fun project. Uh although I am the king of procrastination, so my Bible in a year might be Bible in three years.
0: Bible in three years. <laughs> but I'll get but I'll get it done. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I love that. I mean I've never I've never really thought about that because one thing I love to do is read one thing I'm not as strong as is uh, journaling. So that is something that yeah. I, can definitely, I can definitely get better
1: at. No, no, same here. Man, other than that, uh, not getting too far ahead. I'm, I'm really good at uh, uh, being concerned about next week and where I'm supposed to be or what I'm doing and, and missing opportunities today. Yeah. So, man, one is just the, the second my eyes open is just for – to, to at least have the thought and the intentionality of, of God use me today. Um, in some really awesome way. I I just don't want to overlook an opportunity with, you know, a a guy here on the ranch or somebody I run into in town because I'm so worried about what what I've got to do tomorrow. So I'm preaching to myself here too. That's something I, I struggle with and I'm working on to, uh, to not look at some of the bigger missions or some of the bigger foundation stuff we do and, and understand that, uh, there's probably something really cool in store for today.
0: Yeah. Well, something that I really admire of you is just, you know, every time that there's, at least I hear from Willie and Corey, like if there's a crisis, it's your name's Uh always the first one. That's always there. Uh Um, and even just, you know, I know that we've talked about, you know your trip to Thailand a bunch, um, but you and your wife Jen do so much to help in human trafficking, and you're always overseas and um, at, on these missional trips, and even just you know you were in Afghanistan when all that was going on. You've been in Ukraine the last few weeks and few months helping with everything over there. Then in Poland, um, where like does that help? Like does that love for um, you know your heart for that justice come from? From, from that first trip, when you went to Thailand, or have you always kind of been like growing up where you always kind of like justice oriented and you always kind of wanted to have justice towards things that are unjust in the world
1: yeah, man, I think I've always been like that, although I was a terrible kid and and got in a ton of trouble um I always had a a soft spot or soft heart for people that uh either couldn't defend themselves or didn't have a voice or were helpless or just, yeah, those, those that were hurting was, was one of the few things that like really, really bothered me. Um, and that, and that's, I'm grateful that that has never changed. So even yeah. as I've gotten older now, it, it, uh, it's really hard for me to ignore a situation, whether it's a massive deal like a war in Ukraine or, uh, you know, a girl right here close to home that, that's being abused. Um, I, I love going in and, and being God's hands and feet there and, and being a voice for the, for that voiceless population.
0: Yeah. Something that I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm very justice oriented as well. And I feel like something that i can struggle with being so justice oriented is like on the flip side being like having compassion is that something that you ever wrestle with the idea of like be, like justice towards something and also compassion for the counterpart or do you ever think about that because i feel like for me like i'm so justice oriented that i lack the compassion sometimes on on the back end um
1: no that was one of my fears getting into the human trafficking side of things. The counter human trafficking side was that like, how do you not go into those situations and, and be in front of a, a trafficker or a pimp and not just want to kill him yeah. and, and, and have any sympathy or any compassion. And I, I think God, and, and I don't, I, I know I've prayed on it, but I don't remember specifically like zeroing in on that, but, uh, when I'm in those situations, it's become much easier to view that guy as, as almost like somebody that's sick yeah. and and uh, maybe try to understand a little bit about his background and what led him, you know, to this behavior. So to to have some sympathy there knowing, man, maybe, maybe his dad was like this. Maybe he didn't have a dad. Maybe he grew up, you know, being the guy that was getting beat on and kicked around and... So that's helped a lot in um in knowing that they're hurting too, which is likely what's causing them to to do the things they're doing
0: now that's really good because I mean I feel like because that even helps me at times you know and it's granted it's not something as drastic as you know being in front of a trafficker or a pimp, um but even just like being in traffic or something and you know having someone ride on my butt or, or having someone going super slow in the left lane or whatever it might be um you know all at at the same time just having a blip thought of like they could be having a bad day or x y and z like not rushing to judgment but also like having the sense of like understanding that you know that they could be doing that for for some reason other than you know making it all about me and why are they not doing what i think they should be doing so that's Mm -hmm. something that i definitely wrestle with on a daily basis. And I'm sure that would just be exemplified if I was standing before somebody who was abusing people.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the more you practice it, like you you get, it be, it'll become much more natural and kind yeah. of second nature to, to wonder, okay, what's going on in that person's life, you know, that's causing them to do that. And, and it can, uh, it can diffuse things, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And even in our own minds to, to, to get up, you know, to keep us from, Wanting to snap and throw up the middle finger, drop a few F bombs, like, you know, what we naturally want to do. Yeah. I think you just learn to kind of quickly shove yeah. that aside. Yeah. You know, Maybe one of good. the other, I, I, I just thought of this, one of the other things kind of off topic, but going into that first trip in Thailand, one of the other miracles that was crystal clear, going over there, and I, cause I knew, I had an idea that we were going to be going into lots of broth- brothels or to kind of strip clubs, like our version of strip clubs here. And I, I also knew as a man where my mind can go when I see, you know, a good looking girl, I mean, plain and simple. So my, my prayer going over was Lord, just give me the eyes of Jesus mm-hmm. because my fear was that I would go over there and get in these situations and, as you know, as a dude, you know, our mind wanders. And I was like, yeah. I, I just don't want to go off mission and and fall into that trap. Um, and got over there. And, man, I, it was the coolest God thing because I don't remember any girls like from the neck down. It was just awesome. I, I remember faces but had no clue. You know what else they were wearing, or what the situation, what so uh, that that was also. I say that because that was also confirmation for me that yeah. like this is something that God wants me in- involved with. Um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. So yeah, just
1: wanted to throw that out.
0: That's awesome. Well, when you go into these super crazy places, I mean, um, you know, because I don't know. I, I just I just want to ask you this question of like, how do you get to a point where you know, and you might still get fearful, but how do you, how do you get to the mindset and really to the to the faith where you go to these places where you know you aren't afraid if you if if you're killed for the gospel um because i feel like for me it's like i could be doing this podcast i can could, I could be going to church but it's like if i'm in ukraine and you know somebody pulls me out in the street it's like am i going to profess it I, I, sh- I certainly hope that I will. I mean, you you know, the Bible says, deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So it's like, I really hope, I really hope that I would. But, you know, I'll also think about my wife and my, you know, my daughter back home. And it's like, I'll have these other thoughts. Sure. And it's like, you know, but at the same time, I still want to be faithful to uh, to Jesus. So do you ever have those thoughts of like, you know, fearful or you get to a point mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you 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 don't really care if if you're... You know, killed for the Lord.
1: Um. Yes, I do. I, I am still fearful, and there is yeah. situation. Matter of fact, not four days ago because I just got back from over there. We were in a we were in a town in in Ukraine that was that was under attack, and I was there with a pastor that this guy is just unbelievable. Um, had had multiple opportunities to move. West. So Western Ukraine is much safer. Out east is kind of where a lot of the fighting's going on. And uh, a lot of his congregation left. Um, even a lot of the men, uh, the men had left. And this guy's faith and just being with him for a few days and watching the work that he's still doing. Um, and I'll have to send you a picture, but the front of his church is all boarded up. And you look at it and you would think it's for protection, but it, it had already been bombed. So a bomb had blasted out the front of his church, all the glass, just tore wow. up everything, tore up the van that was parked out front, blew it up. And they just went, found some boards, boarded it up and kept right on rolling. And they're using that like as a, as a resupply for humanitarian aid. And they're sending their you know guys out into some pretty bad places to, to continue to love on people and bring food and water and supplies. And so when you're around guys like that one, you realize how incredibly spoiled we are here in, in the U S that, that we don't have yeah. to live that world. But the other side is it's so neat to, you know, you know, I think faith is one of those things we pray for all the time and we, and we are around people that we look at them are like, man, I want faith like that. Like, man, yeah. I want faith like that pastor I hear every Sunday or that podcast that that dude I listen to or this teammate. And no doubt God could snap his fingers and give you that type of faith in a prayer. Obviously, he could do that in a second. I just don't think it happens that often because I think he wants us to take some steps mm-hmm. and put ourselves in position where we have to rely on that faith. And that and that's where it's really strengthened. So any, anytime I've been in those situations like, oh, this could, this could go south pretty quick. Yes. Um, when I come out of it, I absolutely feel stronger stronger and stronger that one not only is god going to protect me and i don't just mean physically but also that those are also some of the biggest blessings and some of the best relationships now like this pastor who will be a lifelong friend and we continue to get to work and support him Um, some of the things that have come out of it have been you know life-changing for me so Yeah, I I don't, I don't ever want to, uh, I I hope I'm never at a spot where I don't, uh, I don't know how to say it, where I don't want to be in those situations and where I don't really, really feel drawn and pulled towards going in and helping the helpless, regardless of where it is. And, And it's real easy, I could, and I've done this where I've been like, man, I'm not, I'm not trained in this, like this isn't you know, there's plenty of other people that do this for a living and, you know, that can go handle it. But, uh, you know, I also quickly realized that, uh, that, that, that that can quickly be disobedience also if I'm, if I'm just justifying my way out of it. So,
0: well, I just thank you because I mean, I feel like, you know, you and your team go in when most people retreat. So it's very, uh, Respectable, very admirable, just even the faith, you know, to go into these places where it is dangerous, where Christians are being persecuted, people are being killed. And, um, you know, you to go help, like you said, help the helpless. It's, it's very, uh, it's just awesome. So I, yeah, I commend thanks, you for that. You know? and, and I just, I love that. Not only are you somebody that professes your faith, but you also live it out through, um, through obedience with, with, with going to do that because we're called to, you know, care for the orphans, care for the widows, and care for, the, for those who can't help themselves. And, you know, that's I feel nice. like that's even, that's even the scripture, and I don't want to botch it, but it's the scripture where, uh, you know, Jesus is like, um, uh, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was naked, did you clothe me? And he says, uh, what you did for the least of these, you also did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that story, I mean, it's really what, what y'all are doing. So it's just, it's
1: awesome. Well, thanks, Christian. And, and we do, and that's where I got to be careful too, because we'll go do some of these bigger type missions, right? Whether it's a big week-long human trafficking operation somewhere, or um, you know, trying to bring in aid and get people out of Ukraine, it's easy for me to come back and and not view an opportunity that's right in front of me with with one individual, you know, yeah. what maybe a family member or maybe. You know, again, somebody here in our small town in Fort Scott, Kansas, and 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 overlook those. So that that's sometimes that's the struggle coming back, is is realizing the mission's not over. I'm still absolutely on mission for the kingdom. Yeah. It just happens to be right here on on a different level. Yeah. Um. And you can you. It is possible to to do that for yeah. 365 days. Um. If we can get out of our own way.
0: Amen. That's awesome. Well, something that we do on on, on every podcast because uh, predominantly, uh, I would think that the audience that listens to this are men. And if you're a women listening to this, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, but this is the Four Eight Men podcast. Um, so you know, we do these challenges. We do a physical challenge and a spiritual challenge just to try to keep people engaged. But also, you know, as men, I love a good challenge. I know that I'm sure that you do clearly, um, and. I don't know I think it's fun just to you know keep people engaged spiritually and also physically, so we do uh challenges um every episode, so I want to ask you what
1: physical and spiritual challenge you have for us so uh physical challenge well, I'll tell you what I'm doing right now that my wife and I are doing is 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 twenty two burpees a day for the 22 veteran suicides a day. So it was, it was this month and it started at the beginning of the month, but it's just w- what you would think would be a simple 22 burpees, but you're obviously in way better shape than I am. And I'm a lot older yeah. than you. Twenty-two so it, burpees feels are like tough. it feels like I'm doing a hundred some days, but I, I like, I like doing those, you know, we got the Murph challenge coming up. I don't know. Have you done the Murph?
0: Yep. I have. I actually, sh- I, di- I should just did the half Murph on Monday. Um, Did you? Yeah, yeah awesome. It's, it's, I was I was training. I'm training for it. So,
1: I like one. those workouts that, in my mind, are are meaningful and and representing something. You know what I mean. You're kind of doing it for a purpose. Um, and, and this month happens to be the 22 burpees. So if you're hearing this now, you're lucky because you you only have to do half of it. Uh, yeah. Got whatever. a Couple weeks left. Um, maybe not even that, but. Yeah, uh, I would say hunt those opportunities. I I think next month, I'm sure they'll start something else up for, uh, for, you know, the veteran suicides. if that's something you're passionate about. Um, but that's a neat one to, uh, to focus on on the spiritual challenge. I'm going to go back to starting the Bible in a year and you don't have to be old like me and have kids, You, you could do it Christian. You could do it for your spouse. Yeah. Uh, You could do it for your dad, um, challenge your dad to do it for you and your brothers and sisters. I I just, I think at the end of it, when you're done and you get to hand that off to, you know, when I get to hand that off to both my kids and give them something when they go out into the world on their own to just have 365 letters from, you know, of, of, and, and I would say be, be totally open, um, in in that conversation and and as real and transparent as you can be. But I think all of us can find somebody that we could direct that at and and go through, go through the word with them in mind and, and write them a note.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, looking forward to those, Adam, thanks so much for joining me today. I know that people are going to be challenged and also just inspired by all the, all the work that, uh, that y'all are doing. And, um, so it's just Thank it was a pleasure you. to have you and just get, get to uh get to have a conversation.
1: Christian, you too, brother. Keep keep it up and uh let's do it again.